You know, over the past several weeks, we've been uh, spotlighting and focusing uh, your attention on the efforts that our church is involved in uh, over overseas, particularly in Ghana. There are other places as well that we haven't talked about, and we're focusing on this uh, for a specific reason, and, um, or, or for several reasons, which we'll get into today. Uh, but also, I just want to say, uh, for each of you here who are new this year or, or recently, um, we're, we're trying to help you to see what's actually going on here at Burntwoods beyond Sunday morning, because there's a lot that goes on. Uh, Burntwoods Church is involved in a lot of things, and you, by extension, are able to be involved in a lot of those things. And I just want to sort of build upon what Nick did last week. He showed some pictures last week, and can you show that first picture? Uh, we've been talking about our partnership with uh, Pastor Emmanuel Mensa over the past several weeks, and uh, Pastor Nick showed this picture last week in just the beginnings of their church building, which is on the land, the property that uh, Emmanuel's father gave him in a village called Kamfuku in the western region of Ghana. And they began that, uh, uh, think, three years ago, about three years ago. Uh, they began construction on that building, and then you could show the next picture. Uh, and there, I think, was their first worship service inside the building. And one thing I, I want to show you before we get to the next picture, uh, I want you to know, Burntwoods Church, uh, that you have had an enormous hand in not only supporting the ministry of that church, but the actual building that sits there, uh, the actual building where worship services take place, the building where just a couple of weeks ago uh, they had over 200 youth there for a youth summit, uh, the building that we have now received word uh, that they are outgrowing. They can't uh, fit all their church in. Uh, Burntwood's Church, that, that is um, a building that's there because of your work, because of your donations, and because of your... Um, your faithful giving. So I want to show you the next picture, which is uh, what it looks like now inside the church. Yeah, it looks wonderful, doesn't it? And uh, many of you have been, raise your hand if you've been in Emmanuel's church. And a couple of you have. Is it just Burnt? Yeah, and Rachel and uh, so others. So, um, and there's another project. Bernie, you're going to like this because you stood on the spot where his house was to be built when it was just a bunch of uh, brush and, and uh, under, uh, underbrush and growth and stuff like that. So you show the next picture. So there we've reached that far on Emmanuel and Sarah's house. But this house is not only uh, going to serve as their residence, it's also going to serve as a mission house that will house missionaries and pastors who come there for training, as well as you can't see on the uh, left side of the building, which would be facing the road, uh, there's also going to be a small grocery store that will serve the community as well. And once again, Burntwoods Church, I want you to know that uh, you have been contributing, um, and I would say almost almost all of the finances that have gone into building that structure in the house have come from this church family. And so I just wanted to highlight that for you and, uh, and the relationship between your offerings, what you give on Sunday morning, and what's actually happening around the world. There's a direct relationship to that. And I'm going to speak more on that today because today what I'm going to be doing is uh, focusing our attention on our efforts as a church. This is basically going to be one big update on what we do in our missions partnerships around the world. So I'm going to ask you if you would turn in your Bible uh, to Romans chapter 15. And you know, I always uh, try to figure out the best time of the year to do something like this. We didn't, we haven't talked a lot about 
uh, our missions efforts and the things that we do globally since COVID hit us, we kind of slowed that conversation down. Um, But I think that this is a good week to do it because over the uh, next few weeks, we're going to be intentionally giving towards some of these projects and intentionally uh, giving to to continue the efforts that are going on overseas. But I want to begin this update today. I'm not going to be preaching a normal sermon today. I'm just really going to be giving you an update today on what's going on and help you to see the big picture. But I want you to see uh, from Romans 15, this passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 17, where Paul really speaks about his life mission, his life mission. Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 17. And Paul says, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak on anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And here's the key, verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This was Paul's life mission. Listen to it again. Verse 20, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. On May 20th, 2000, the year 2000, Pastor John Piper preached one of the most famous and influential sermons of the last 100 years in the United States. Some of you may be familiar with that sermon. It's been called the Seashells Sermon. Have any of you heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard that sermon. A couple of you. A couple of you have heard it. It became known as the Seashells Sermon because of an illustration that he used at the beginning of it. Keep in mind that he's preaching this sermon outdoors to a crowd of 40,000 college students uh, gathered in Memphis, Tennessee at Passion One Day, a conference called Passion one day, and he told this story at the beginning, towards the beginning of his message. Uh, and he told the story of two women from his city, Minneapolis, who had gone off in their 80s onto the mission field. And they had gone to serve as medical missionaries. Their names were Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards. And he tells the story of how as they were serving faithfully, going village to village, sharing the love of Christ among some of the most unreached people in the world that one day as they were traveling to another village, the brakes on their car gave out. They plummeted over the edge of a cliff and were killed instantly. And he asked the question to the crowd, was that a tragedy? And of course the answer was no, that was not a tragedy. These women who gave their lives, the, the, the end of their lives, the years when many people are retiring or resting or sort of hanging things up. And he says they gave their lives to the, to the cause of the gospel. So that is not a tragedy. Then he goes on to, to point out 
what a tragedy looks like. And he, this is where the, the, the seashells come into play. He reads a story from Reader's Digest that highlighted a couple named Bob and Penny. According to the article, quote, Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast and moved to Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. And Piper said, that is a tragedy. He went on to say, the American dream, come to the end of your life, your one and only life, and let the last great work before you give an account to your Creator be, I collected shells. Lord, look at my shells. That's a tragedy. Now, I remember hearing that sermon for the first time in, in 2003. It was in the apartment of a friend at Southeastern Seminary, sitting in the back room. Just he and I listening to it on cassette. Remember that? And uh, listening to John Piper preach that sermon. And it wasn't the story about seashells that captivated me so much. It was actually the words that he opened the message with that really caught my heart. And so let me, let me share them with you because I think this has shaped my life over the past two decades. And I hope it will resonate with you. And, and maybe you can go home today and even listen to the sermon. It's widely accessible uh, on YouTube. Just look up seashells sermon and you'll find it. But he opened up by saying this to these 40,000 college students. He said, you don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. People that make a difference in this world are not people who have mastered a lot of things. They're not, they are people who have been mastered by a few things that are very, very great. Listen to this. If you want your life to count... You don't have to have an, a high EQ. You don't have to have a high EQ, IQ. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have good looks. You don't have to have, be from a good family or from a good school. You just have to know a few basic, simple, glorious, majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay down your life for them. If you want your life to count, be gripped by a few simple things and then be willing to lay down your life for those things. And this is what we hear when we hear the Apostle Paul talking in Romans 15 about his great ambition to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people who've never heard the gospel. He spent his life on that one great thing. That was the one great thing that he knew. Remember, he said to the Corinthians, if you remember, he said, I've, I've decided to know nothing among you, nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He made it his life goal to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who never otherwise would have heard or understood the gospel. And I bring all of that to you today and, and preface what I'm about to share with you today, because I want you to know that that's been at the heartbeat of our work as a church and our efforts as a church globally is we want to reach people who've never heard the gospel before. 
We want people who otherwise would not have an opportunity to hear the gospel to hear the gospel. Our ministry goes far beyond the weekly preaching of the gospel here in this building, uh, Sunday by Sunday. We want people all over the world to know. And that's why, by the way, that we ever stepped foot in Ghana 10 years ago. It's been coming up on 10 years. That's why we ever went there in the first place is because we wanted people to hear the gospel who've never heard the gospel before. Now, let me say this about the work in Ghana, because I, many of us are more globally aware than we once were. And you might say to yourself, well, why not go to Nepal if that's the case? Or India? Or Pakistan? Because isn't it true that there are already churches in Ghana and sub-Saharan Africa is largely reached? And why would you go there if your goal is for people who otherwise can't hear the gospel or have no access to the gospel? Why would you go there if, if that's the goal? Don't they have access to the gospel? And in one sense, I'd say, yes, they do. But also, there are still large people groups, large people groups and small tribes spread all over the nation of Ghana and the surrounding nations that have no access to the gospel. Listen to this. In Ghana alone, according to the Joshua Project website, which tracks unreached people groups, in Ghana, there's the Mandika tribe, 5,900 people. They remain unreached. The Ligbi tribe, 24,000 people. They remain unreached. The Jula of Ghana, 32,000 unreached people. The Gonja of Ghana, 385,000 unreached people. The Fudo of Ghana, 1,100 frontier unreached, meaning there is zero gospel witness among them. Meaning they will live, be born, live an entire lifetime and die and never hear the name of Jesus. The Nanumba, 75,000 unreached people. Chikali, 9,600 unreached people. The Wala, 105,000 unreached people. Anufo, 114,000 unreached people. The Fulani, 5,000 frontier unreached. Zero Christians among them. Kantosi, 3,700 unreached. Mampusi, 393,000 unreached people. Anofo, 114,000 unreached. Zarma, 9,500 unreached. And the Hausa tribe, the largest unengaged people group in sub-Saharan Africa. In Ghana alone, 302,000 people with zero Christians among them. That's why we're in Ghana. So over the past 10 years, we've taken the position that the best way to fulfill the Great Commission, the best way for us to go through this door that God has opened us in Ghana, the best way to fulfill uh, God's commission to share the gospel with all nations and all peoples and every tribe and every tongue is to go there. And along with our partners, Emmanuel being key to that, along with our partners, we go there and the idea is that we will saturate the country as much as possible with the gospel in every way that we can. We want people to hear the gospel. And that work began 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, in 2012. Actually, it did begin 10 years ago because it began in September of 2011. We didn't hit the ground until uh, February of 2012. But it began this way. We showed up 
Uh, we went on our first trip with literally no idea what we were doing. In fact, we had a lot of trips like that. In fact, it's important, I think, to say that doing something for the Lord doesn't require you to have it all figured out. It just requires you to be willing. You know, just go. Sometimes you just need to go. Sometimes you just need to do something. So we got on a plane. We flew to Ghana with a couple of friends of ours. We didn't know anybody. We didn't know what we were doing. And so the first thing we did is we just walked out of the gates of the compound that we were staying in. We walked down to a, an elementary school, literally unannounced, just asked, can we preach the gospel in the school? And they welcomed us, and we preached the gospel there, and we went to other schools and other schools and other schools. And along the way, we met a man named Emmanuel Mensa. You heard us talk a lot about, who was a school teacher at the time. And we met him, and, and we recognized very early on with him that, that God was doing something spectacular in his life and had called him to full-time vocational ministry. And so uh, we decided, our church, and at the time, West Charles Community Church in Southern Maryland, decided to jointly support Emmanuel financially so that he could come out of the school and he could become involved in full-time ministry. And so our church has been supporting Emmanuel since 2014. He's essentially become a staff missionary of Burntwood's Church, sharing the gospel, going uh, to many different countries in that region, many different areas in that region, and, and doing the work of the gospel ministry there. We've partnered with him. And over the years, our partnership uh, with Emmanuel has involved sharing the gospel in schools, uh, through sports outreaches, through door-to-door evangelism, Jesus film crusades, which we don't talk a lot about those things uh, in, in our American context, but those would just be large evangelistic efforts where we would show the Jesus film and any other means that we could. And then about six years ago, six years ago, we met another key player. His name was George, or is George Ampaya. Many of you have met George. He's a wonderful man. What do you say, Bernie? He's a, just a joy to to be around. And Rachel, you, you've met George and danced with George and sang with George and just a wonderful, enormous man who's just a big teddy bear. But George spent his life working in the area of uh, uh, digging or, or drilling wells in West Africa with a company out of Germany. He was employed by them for many, many years and has great expertise in that. And so we decided that providing clean water would help us as we try to access some of those largest unreached people groups up in the northern part of Ghana and and the countries that surround it. And since then, working with George, we've been able to uh, provide clean water. Listen to this, Burntwood's Church. Uh, Now, directly as a church, we have provided 11 uh, deep borehole wells in villages all across northern Upper East Ghana and one in the western region of Ghana, giving access to clean water to thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the name of Jesus. Ten years ago, I never imagined that God would take us that far or this far. And uh, we've not always done the best job communicating all that goes on there, all that, that's done there. Uh, but this week, this week as I was preparing to do this, I thought, you know, I want to talk to Emmanuel and get his perspective on things and, and ask, uh, ask him to share with us. And so I think we have a, a video back there, right, guys? It's just a short video. And so I'm just going to step to the side and let Emmanuel speak to you for just a moment. Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Ivan Mesa. 
the pastor and leader of Great Grace Outreach Embassy Ghana. This day, I want to bring greetings from myself, my wife Sarah, and uh, our church family, I mean Great Grace Outreach Embassy, to Pastor Brian Corrick, the senior pastor of Ben Woods Church, and to the entire Ben Woods Church family, uh, I say, may God bless all of you. Uh, this day, I am reminding ourselves of our partnership in ministry uh, for the past almost 10 years. Uh, as David said, I was surrendering down to the Lord for all his benefit towards me. He said, I will lift up my cup of salvation and declare his name. You know, the Lord has been faithful to us and that this day, as we are about to end the year 2021, um, I want to use this opportunity to show our gratitude to Pastor Brian, Pastor Nick, and the Ben Woods Church family for your support to me, my family, and to our church uh, for the past almost 10 years. Uh, maybe you have no idea the impact of your support to me and my people. Over the, over the past years, through your support, we've been able to reach uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many lives have been transformed. And we have been able to come this far because of the support Ben Woods have been giving to us because of the partnership Ben Woods Church is having with us. That is how come by the grace of God we've been able to reach thousands and thousands of souls uh, in Ghana and beyond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, every year we can talk about uh, 10,000 of souls uh, through our radio programs, through our schools ministries, through our frame crusade, our evangelism outreaches in, 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 in many places, even the VVS. And so we say, thank you, Ben Woods. May the Lord bless you all. We appreciate you. And uh, we are trusting and believing God that uh, God is going to use our partnership uh, in the years ahead to, to do mega things, to reach millions of people around the world with the gospel. And so, I, want, I once again want to bring greetings to you, uh, even though we are not in Christmas yet, but I want to say Merry Christmas in advance. Uh, I wish you all well, and may, may the Lord bless you as you worship this day. We are with you. And we are praying for you as you pray for us. The Lord bless you. My name once again, Pastor Emmanuel Mensa. Bye-bye. It's so good to hear his voice and, and to uh, talk to him this week. We had uh, a long talk this week on the phone. And, uh, and by the end of our talk, we were both uh, overjoyed, almost uh, if it's possible for a worship service to happen and in, uh, in amongst two individuals separated by 6,000 miles, I think it happened this week as we began to think through all of 
the ways that God has used our partnership. And I just want to highlight some of these things for you through, through our uh, support and our effort, our partnership. Uh, we've been involved in planning and constructing two churches in Ghana, uh, two church, uh, actual churches who are growing, sending, and uh, planning other churches. Emmanuel's Church now, it's three years old. It now has four branches, uh, including one international branch in Togo. I believe we're going to see a video about Togo next week with Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we've trained pastors and church workers, uh, ministered to countless school children, preached the gospel in unreached villages in the Upper East uh, region of Ghana. It was interesting to me. Uh, years ago, we arrived in a village at night in the Upper East of Ghana, and we were checking uh, some of the things that we had brought with us, and uh, we were playing the, an audio Bible that had been translated into the local dialect. And one of our partners came to the door, one of our hosts came to the door, and he walked in, and as he heard the Bible playing in his, in the, his own language, he said, uh, that's me. And I said, oh, yes, yeah, it's just your language. No, he said, no, that's me reading it. We had, it was a really stunning thing to realize that we had arrived on the edge of where they were just now providing audio Bibles in those languages and meeting the very people who were translating the Bible into those languages. So we preach the gospel in, in unreached villages in the Upper East. Uh, we've preached the gospel directly to Muslim kings and animist kings in the Upper East and Volta region uh, of, of Ghana. We've seen revivals break out in villages that are hard uh, to even comprehend here. In the Volta region early on, uh, we had many, many people come to Christ during one of the evangelistic crusades. And that night, that very night, they brought all of their idols out into the middle of the village and burned them and danced around them and on them to proclaim that they no longer were in chains to the devil. Now they knew Jesus Christ. We've baptized more than I can count or remember. Uh, provided clean water for thousands of people in the name of Jesus. And here's the most exciting thing. I decided to ask Emmanuel a question I knew he couldn't answer. I couldn't answer it either, but I thought, well, I'm going to ask it anyway. And so I asked Emmanuel, I said, Emmanuel, can you estimate, just try to estimate how many people do you think have heard the gospel as a result of the partnership between Burntwoods Church and Great Grace Outreach Embassy in Ghana, between our church and their church, how many people have heard the gospel? And he began to, to laugh, and he said, oh, and he said, it'd be hard to know. And, and we began to try to tally up some numbers. And, and uh, as we tallied the numbers, it began to grow, and it be, went far beyond my expectation. And brothers and sisters, I want you to hear this. This is mind-boggling to me, uh, and this is just a guess, but it's a good, educated guess. And I would say as a result, over the past 10 years of our partnership with, with Emmanuel and with his church, that we can estimate that at least, and I say that at least, 250,000 people have heard the gospel as a result of that partnership. A quarter of a million people. At least, it may be more. And we don't know how many thousands. We stopped keeping track years ago. We don't know how many thousands of people uh, have accepted the gospel because of, of that work. And, and I want to say this as I sort of draw things nearer to a close today, is uh, that the work has only just begun. 
that really we, we're just now being able to fully uh, realize the, the call that God has given us and being able to do the things uh, that, that we're called to do. So we have two major projects to undertake this year, two major projects that we're going to undertake this year. First of all, this is a continuation of some work that, that, that we've been doing that you've seen on the screen today. First of all, we need to finish the work that we started in the Western region. We need to finish Emmanuel and Sarah's house. Uh, by the way, church family, uh, some of you know, not all of you know, but Emmanuel and Sarah have been married uh, for almost 10 years as well. They'll celebrate in 2022 their 10-year anniversary. They've been trying uh, to have children for all that time, have been unable, but Sarah right now is pregnant. And, uh, and they're expecting their first child this coming year. And uh, so you can be praying for them for that. But we need to finish their house. And we came in agreement with Emmanuel a couple of years ago that we, would, um, that we would help them get into a home of their own. And that would be a way that we could end our, our quarterly support to them that we give to them by getting them into a home. Because much of the support that we give to them goes to guess what? Housing, just like anything else. It's the biggest expense for them. And so after the construction is completed, we would, ha- we would have the opportunity to end our financial obligation to Emmanuel. But something uh, sort of got in the way. See, we were supposed to be done with that at the end of this year. We had a plan. We had a budget. We were going to happen. It was going to happen. And then guess what happened? COVID happened. And just like us here, prices skyrocketed. Materials became hard to get. And so things have gotten behind. And now as it stands now, and we'll see what happens with global uh, availability of, of resources and pricing and things like that. But as it stands right now, uh, we are about $10,000 short of finishing that project. And so uh, beginning in December, we're going to begin collecting a special mission offering that will go directly to that. 100% of that money will go towards getting them in that house. Hopefully before their uh, child is born, they'll be living in their own house. And, and uh, that's one project that we have to undertake this year. But secondly, secondly, the next step for Burntwood's Church, the next step for all of you, is we're planning to launch our ministry efforts along with Emmanuel into the northern city of Tamale in Ghana. Uh, a couple of you have traveled up into that region before to do some water work. But in that region, uh, the, the last people group that I mentioned earlier, the house of people, 302,000 people in Ghana, completely unreached with the gospel. They register a 0% on the scale for Joshua Project. That people group is there in that region. That's where we'll be doing our ministry, and we're planning to plant a large, God willing, large urban church in the capital of that region in Tamale. It's mostly dominated by Muslims, uh, by Islam in that region and surrounding villages. But the plan is to plant a large church in the city, which will then within three years be reproducing churches in surrounding villages and sharing the gospel amongst those unreached people. And we're going to be giving you the opportunity this year to give and to go, and we're going to be inviting some of you, or all of you for that matter, to go this year and be part of the launch of that effort where we'll be actually traveling to Tomali to do uh, the, the launch of that church, to be there in support of the launch of that church. That's our biggest effort yet, is to move up into that region of Ghana and continue the work of allowing people who have no access to the gospel to hear the gospel. Years ago... I was first, uh, when I first became pastor here, I would come down into the sanctuary. This is dangerous to 
even share this, I think, because Jesus says not to, but I'm going to risk losing some of my rewards and share this with you. I would come into the sanctuary and right in this spot here, and I would get on my knees and pray. Here's what I would pray. I say, God, provide us with resources to reach the world with the gospel. And if you'll give us those resources, I promise I'll lead the church to reach people all over the world who have otherwise not heard the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we are in such a unique position as a church. We're debt-free. We have almost, I think, I think this may be wrong, but almost a quarter of a million dollars in assets. I believe, reflecting this week, that God has answered that prayer. And now it's time for us as a church and for you individually, for all of us, to set out, like Paul, to set our hearts on the effort to reach the most unreached people in the world with the gospel. Listen again to what Paul said in Romans 15, 20, or 17 rather. I'm sorry, 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see And those who have never heard will understand. You can pray. You can give. You can go. As a church, all of us need to be involved in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth together.